Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Hello and welcome to our Parsha Themes, where I'm Parsha's Kiddoshim and some very interesting ideas from the Vilna Gaon. Um, I usually try to take some words of his and explain them, and sometimes... Um, of course, I try my best to understand them, and sometimes I think I understand them, but sometimes I, don't, I know I don't understand them at all. So this first vart, I don't understand, and I look forward to hearing from you if you do understand it a little bit better, but I know there's something here, obviously. It's in Perak Yud Tes Pasuk Yud. The Torah tells us a special mitzvah that when we are um, harvesting our field, there's an idea of leket chicha and peah, things that are forgotten, uh, should be left for poor people. The Pasuk says, You should leave the things that you drop for the poor people and the convert. Usually the convert that converted was poor. Oftentimes people would convert and like Rus, and they would have not a penny to their name or they wouldn't have anything from the nation they came from because they were joining the Jewish nation. Um, obviously if a ger is of means, then he isn't necessarily qualified for this. So the Vilna Gaon brings down, there's a Zohar, that the Zohar says that Klai Yisrael has parts of Lecha, Chicha, and Peh in them. And what does that mean? That um, the ten sh- it has a ten shvatim, it has Yehuda, and it has B'nai Moshe, which I assume refers to um, the Levium. So what's the pshat? So it says Yehuda is leket. What does that mean? Because it is the harvest that's found throughout the entire field, um, gathered, spread throughout the four corners of the world. That's the main part that you pick up. That's leket. And the um, shikha, the forgotten part, is the Asaras Hashvatim, which is Machogus and the Gemara, whether they will ever come back or not. Uh, most people seem to poskin that they will, and that there will there'll always be 12 tribes. But we know that most of us do, oh, come from either Yehuda um, or uh, Moshe. That's why we're called Yehudim, Judah, um, because most of us come from Yehuda. And then there's a few Kohanim and Levim as well. Um, and how do, why, why says the Zohar? Because Asaras HaShvatim are called HaOvdim Be'eretz HaShor, the lost ones in Eretz HaShor. So whether they come back or not, it's not really relevant here. The point is that they are certainly lost currently. And finally, B'nai Moshe, um, which are um, the Levium, seemingly, uh, the Kohanim, people that come from Levi, um, even though Moshe himself was a Kohen at some point, which we're not going into, but they sit in the corner of the world. And that's a shot in the Pasuk. Ani lager tazo vosam. There's three halakim. Says the grut. Now this is the grut talking. He says that there's ani. That's Mashiach, and then ger. That's Moshe. He's called um, Gershom. Calls himself a ger. And tazo vosam. That's the forsaken ones. And so somehow that's that's the remnants in this pasuk. It's an interesting zohar. I don't really understand what the grut is saying that it is Mashiach, um, and how that corresponds to those three of the. Ten Shvatim, Sheba Yehuda, and um, B'nai Moshe, or the Levium. I would assume that the Ani being Mashiach refers to Yehuda, because Mashiach has been David, Be'ikr, and Ger refers to Moshe, somehow that's Merami's Levium, and Tazav Osam is the uh, forsaken Asaras Shvatim, although I'm not sure. Next idea is found in Perak Yudtes, Pasuk Tezayin. It says, We know that we're not allowed to be tailbearers. Klai Yisrael, try not to do the sin, and we know that they were stuck in Mitzrayim. Moshe identified that there was uh, tail-bearing going on inside the Jewish nation, and that's why they were in Egypt to begin with. And yet, says the Grot, we find by Yonatan and David that um, Yonatan was trying to give a remez to David, um, that his father was indeed trying to kill him, 
um, or whether his father was accepting him and allowing him to come back and not trying to kill him. And he sent this elaborate scheme where he had his, and we, we lay this um, actually in Shmuel Aleph, Perak Aleph, so we lay this as a Torah for Machar uh, Chodesh. And um, he played this whole remez where uh, if I, I'll shoot some arrows and if I tell the, um, tell the attendant to come back for them or I tell them where, where they are, then you'll know whether it's safe or not, whether my father's actively trying to kill you or not, and whether you could join Shaul's table. And so um, the question is, Yehonatan was telling David that his life is in danger and Shaul is trying to kill him. So why does he have to do his whole simon? Why doesn't he just tell him straight out, your fa- father's trying to kill you? Now, I never had this question personally because I always understood that the shot was that, that Yonatan didn't want to rebel against his father and had a respect for his father and also had a fear for his own life. He didn't want to make it clear that he was actually trying to teach tell David something, but I guess if you think about it, it's a little odd because he interacted with him and he was best friends with him, so he could have just said it, said it to him in private. But says the Grah, the Pshad is like this, that yes, in the Halachas of Lashon Hara, there was no problem. He certainly could have told him, but Yonatan was a was a Erlich Mensch, and so he wanted to stay as far away from Lashon Hara as he possibly could. And so if I have a way of telling you this thing, which I'll tell you, and you'll understand exactly what I'm trying to tell you, because he made up the simon, this is exactly what to look out for, you'll know what I'm saying, you'll get the message, you'll protect your life, but I don't have to say the actual words of Lashon Hara. That's how far he went, not to say it. So, Alvayas, the Gemara says that, Kulam Ba'avak Lashon Hara, we all speak a little bit of Lashon Hara, we should be really careful that Vak Lashon Hara, we should be really careful how we speak, and if there's a way to say it in a refined way, and a way to get the same message across, um, then we should definitely think about that as well, not to say anything negative. Of course, there are times when there's a toelis and something needs to be said, and uh, one should be very careful and thoughtful about that. There's a, moving on to Pasuk Yud, Perak Yud test, Pasuk Yud Zion. Um, the Pasuk says, Lo sisna You should not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke him, lo sisa love hate, and do not carry a sin. Very fascinating juxtaposition between those three items. Don't hate and rebuke. And don't carry a sin. Perhaps with this grow, we'll explain the three. He's not trying to explain it directly, but I think it ties in. So the grow says, and this this idea of the grow is an amazing uh, Dvar Torah, and the Shla says the same thing. Um, the, the Shla actually lived before the grow in the 1500s, uh, 1600s. 1600. So uh, this grow is very fascinating. He doesn't quote it from him, but he certainly says this exact same idea. And the Pasuk in Mishle, Perak Tes, Pasuk says... Don't rebuke the scoffer because he's going to hit you. But rebuke the wise man and he will love you. And this is the simple understanding is that when you rebuke someone who's wise, he's happy to get the feedback and he'll do something about it. And and he'll be grateful that you pointed out his flaws so he can work on his spiritual and and, um, emotional connection with others. But the lates, the scoffer, is not interested in hearing anything that he or she just knows that they're always right, and they're not interested in hearing anything from anybody else. Says the Shlaw, and says the Vilna Gon, the exact same shot. Then no, it's talking about the same person. It's saying an approach of how to talk to someone and communicate in a way that they're going to listen. Al if you rebuke someone and you call him, you're a scoffer, you call him names and you talk down to him, then Yisnecha, not only will he not take the rebuke that you're giving him, he'll hate you. What, you're calling me names, you're talking down to me, you don't know my intentions, you don't know what's going on inside me, you're judging me. I don't want to hear it. But instead you should talk to him and tell him you're a great person you're a wonderful person I care about you and, and I know that you have high standards and you care about your spirituality I know you're a great good person 
and then he'll love you and he'll hear the rebuke and, and, and he'll be able to work on himself. And says the Gra, that's a shot. This I didn't see from the Shlah. This I only saw in the Gra. That's a shot in the Pasuk. When you give rebuke, how do you do it? Say, you're my brother. Draw, draw the person in. Show that care. Show that love. And that's the way that your rebuke is going to listen, be listened to and be accepted in a positive way. And this is just so important when we communicate with people, especially our loved ones. If you talk to them, and you talk down, then you push them away and you judge them. And they're not interested in hearing what you have to say. And even if you're saying the most profound and important thing, they're not going to be receptive. But if you learn how to say it in a gentle, loving way, holding them up to a pedestal of greatness and respect, then you're going to accomplish so much more. Even then, especially with loved ones, one should be very careful. But nonetheless, that's the only way to get it across. And teachers need to be conscious of this. And parents need to be conscious of this. And spouses, of course, need to be conscious of this. And I believe that this could tie into the Pasuk itself. Because it's all the same theme. You can't give rebuke out of a place of hate. If you're angry and you're hateful and you're upset at this person, your rebuke is tainted and it will not work. Instead, teach him the lesson in a, in a productive, healthy, and positive way. Then you will get the message across. And you won't be sinning against him. You won't be hurting him because he'll be able to do something about it and you won't have the sin of being in a negative person being, a neg- being in a negative uh, mindset as well so that's the pshat in according to the grow what a beautiful beautiful way of reading the pasuk and, and how we can accomplish it and do it as well there's um, another uh, interesting idea from the grand parakut test pasuk yudches don't don't take revenge so the grow says that we know that the there's, there's a Gemara. The Gemara tells us that a, a Talmud Chacham that is ino that doesn't um, fight back and take re, take revenge like the snake. So he's not a Talmud Chacham. So what's that? What's shot in that Gemara? How can the Gemara say that? If Pasuk says you're not allowed to, uh, to 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 rebuke. And what is this parable to a snake? What since when do we call a Talmud Chacham a a tummy animal? Now now it's not Kabbalatuma, but it's an evil animal. I mean. What's going on here? But he says, no, that is exactly the shot. Because, because the snake, says the Gemara, the snake, he eats, the Pasuk says, and Bracious, his curse is that he's going to eat dirt. And the Gemara says that that's what, he, that, that's what things taste like to him. And not only that, but, but, it's, but it says, the Medrash says, the Gemara in Tainus over there also says, that they asked the snake, um, why do you bite if you don't if you don't get any pleasure out of it? You can eat dirt. There's no pleasure. You don't get any pleasure. And he answered back that well, my yisur on the ball of Why do you speak lashon hara? So let me pause that and we finish the grah, and then I'll come back and explain the depth of that, which is very 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 fascinating. So the pshat says the grah is that the Talmud Chacham needs to avenge his own respect because he has to hold kavod Torah melech shemachal kavodo and kavod machal rav shemachal kavodo. His he can't be machal is kavod. He has to uphold it. But it has to be like a snake that he doesn't take personal benefit in the bite. Just like the snake. The snake doesn't taste anything. That's the way he's allowed to do Nakama. But if, someone one time said that smoking is only dangerous if you inhale. And covet honor is only dangerous if you inhale. And ego is only dangerous. The Tamil Chacham has to have ego on the outside. He has to have a Shemina Shabashmina, so an eighth of an eighth. One sixty-fourth. And there's another girl I think we've mentioned in the past that explains that also. The Katonti. That's an eighth of an eighth. But anyway, that's a shot. He has to be like a snake that, he, that it, doesn't, it doesn't impact him. He doesn't taste anything. It, 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 he's not doing it for his own honor. He's doing it for the honor of Hashem because of what he represents. And going back to that idea, my Yisrael, the Baal So 
um, one could ask, so what really is the answer then? So if a snake doesn't get any pleasure, and then he, his answer back is, why, why does the ball of lushing get any pleasure? Well, what's the answer? But more than that, uh, lushing hard does feel pretty good, actually. So the Rashba explains a brilliant thing above a comma, because the Gemara talks about Hanal Ezeko versus Shane. And the Gemara says something very interesting. The Rashba explains that the snake does get pleasure when he sinks his teeth in, but he doesn't get any ultimate pleasure because it doesn't taste like anything. And says the, the Rashba, it's the same thing with Lush and Hara. Yeah, it sure, it feels good to bash that person. Oh, I got him. But when you think about it, there's no nutritional benefit. There's no, there's no lingering taste. You didn't get anything out of it. You just killed three people. You killed the person you spoke about. You killed yourself. And you killed a listener. <laughs> there's no actual benefit. And that's the same thing. Yeah, there's a little bit of pleasure. There's a little bit of hana in biting. But now, just to go back to the gra, the gra is not saying that the Talmud Chacham is allowed to have that, even that little anna. It has to be like the offer that he eats, that it tastes like dirt, and it's all the same, it's all the same food. But the Rashba is saying that the Bala Shinhara, yeah, he does get pleasure from the bite, but there's no long-term pleasure. And how many families have been destroyed because of Lashinhara? How many people have destroyed friends and enemies and other people because of the Lashinhara they speak? Shemirachim. The, the ability we have to tight someone up. I've said this in the past before. I heard from someone very intelligent. There are three things that everyone knows about everyone else. Right? One of them is what kind of Talmud Chacham he is. Oh, that guy knows how to learn. Or, oh, I know that guy. He's an Amorites. He doesn't know anything. He thinks he knows how to learn. <laughs> Who are you to decide what he knows and what he doesn't know? You give him a fahir? Do you know Do you know better than he does? No, well, I know what I don't know. <laughs> All right? But yeah, we think that we have a right. The second thing is how much money he has. Oh, I know that guy has money. Or I know that guy's broke. You don't know anything. He doesn't know anything about you. You don't know anything about him. People are very private about their finances, no matter what the situation is. And finally, what, what's the third thing we know about everybody else? How to raise his children. Oh, that I'm an expert. I know he's doing that wrong. All right. When it comes to our own children, then we see that there's challenges. A person has to be careful not to judge other people. Finally, Pasuk says, the same exact pasuk, parakid test, pasuk yudchetz, v'yahavta l'recha kamocha, love your friend like himself. So that we, there's a famous Gemara in Shabbos, Lamadalf, that says that a guy came and he wanted to convert, and he came to Shammai, and he said, teach me uh, the Torah on one foot. We know the famous Gemara, and Shammai was very strict, and he said, get out of here, that's ridiculous, you're making caveats, I'm not converting you. And Mepharshim explained that to a certain degree he was right, because a person doesn't have a right to say, you know, I only want to know one thing. But yet, Hill, he, he was a different temperament and he had a different approach and he came and he taught him that's the Torah on one foot which is a very very fascinating idea so the Gra explains that this idea of him standing on one foot is actually Dafka because this the reason that Shammai pushed him away is because we know that Chazal tell us in the mission of Avos that there's three things the world stands on Torah, Avodah, and Gemilas Chasadim and so this guy was saying you know I appreciate Gemilas Chasadim so teach me how I can incorporate the Torah into all just Gemilas Chasadim and Shammai said that's not appropriate you're touching up your own idea of Torah you have no right to do that there's three foundations and if you're not accepting all three then we're not interested in converting you whereas Hill came and he also recognized that this was a problem but he taught him that one and once he saw that one that helped convert everything else and he recognized that there's also a Torah and also the Avodah part. And, and, and one could explain a lot of depth here, but maybe there's some relation to them. Just like we find that there's, if you want to be a chassid, you have to study Mule de Brachos, which has been all the makkum between you and God, like uh, like the Masilas Sharm and the Marsha both explain. And also Mule de, uh, the words of um, Nezikin, which has been on Chavero, how to treat others, civil law. And other people say um, that it's um, Mule de Avos, which is interpersonal law. And that's the Marsha and the Maral and the 
many other Mepharshim, and the Groz shot as well, but we'll save that for a different time. But what I think is interesting, the Ha'ara here, I'll, I started off saying I didn't fully understand the one Gra in here, I'll leave you off of this as well. According to the Gra, that means that he, what, what should he have asked for? To stand on three feet? A man doesn't have three feet. So how is Torah Avodah Gemilas Chassadim hinted to if one foot means one pillar of it? Olam is omade. I understand the remez, but does that seem to imply that, that the two feet represent something else? Maybe one foot is Torah and Avodah and the other foot is Gemilas Chassadim? Or is there another third thing that counts as a foot or somehow an omud? Or maybe the head is one of them? I, I'm not sure. Tzarechian. But again, the growth is always depth. So I'm sure there's some other people that are familiar with other gras and maybe perhaps he explains this even on the body but the basic understanding that we usually say is is that you know the hands are certain mitos and the the feet are are um are netzach and hod um which are moshe and aron so i wonder i wonder what that represents perhaps the torah and avoda and also the chesed i'm not really sure exactly how that works but anyway if anyone has a shot i would love to hear it thank you so much for listening have a great chavis Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at ParshaThemes.com.